Jude chapter number one, Jude chapter one. Now, I want to, uh, today, today is going to be one of those that I, I'm going to use a lot of scripture and I, I want you to follow along with me. And so, you know, sometimes I, I like to get into preaching and, and uh, by the time I'm done, I'm sweating and hooting and hollering, hollering and snotting around. And, and, uh, but today, today I want to, um, I, I really maybe more teach this today because I, I want you to see the foundation of what we're going to speak about. Last week, we looked at Matthew chapter number 24, and we, lo we looked at what Jesus said. And we're going to touch a little bit on that today in our introduction. And then I want to build upon uh, Matthew chapter number 24. And so in this series today, I, I want you to, in this series, I guess for the next several weeks, I want you to take a pen and pencil, and I want you to, to just take some notes. You know, we... Um, we, we can do a lot of things as a church. And, um, but church, I, I, um, my prayer, my goal is that what would describe our church is that we're people of the word. We know the word of God. There are things that maybe other churches might do better than us. They might have better facilities. They might have a better praise team, which I don't think that's possible, but um, they, they might have something different. But one thing I want us as a church, I, don't, I want us to know what the word has to say. I want us to be grounded in the word of God so that you can defend your faith, so that you can intelligently speak to someone about what the Bible has to say. So that when the subject matter that we speak about today, when it comes, not if it comes, because it's going to come because the Bible says it, we're, we're not swayed away or, or drawn away. But when you hear something, maybe that's taught wrong or, 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 or doctrinally in error, you can say that's not true. Not because I heard or I was told, but because I know what the Bible says. I want you to be able to discuss what the Bible says, that your faith in your belief is because you know where you can find it in the word of God. Now, I will say this, the Bible is our sole authority. Somebody says this, well, why do you believe it? Because the Bible says it. Well, what if I don't believe the Bible? Well, then, then we're not gonna argue. We believe the Bible. If the Bible says it, we believe it. If the Bible says it, we live it. If the Bible says it, there's no argument of what the Bible says, okay? And, and there are some, when we talk about this subject of end times prophecy, there are some that insert a lot of their opinions, all right? There's, you know, a, 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 uh, something flying in the air and, and, well, that must be the helicopter. Paul or John just didn't know what a helicopter looked like. I, I don't know that. And you don't know that. And to be honest with you, as we sub study this, in a Bible study, maybe we could go back and forth in that. But as I'm preaching from the pulpit, I just want to stick to what the Bible has to say. And, and um, that's the direction that we'll go uh, with that. Okay? Are we on the same page with that? How many of you like to just study what the Bible has to say? Amen. So do I. All right. In Jude, Jude is going to be speaking, uh, addressing 
apostasy, uh, an apostate people. And I want you to see though, in verse number 14, um, he says this, in verse number 14, Jude, there's only one chapter, in verse 14 says, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. So Jude is writing this and in, in, in for sake of time, I've got a lot of scripture to go today. And in some of this, I want you to study out on your own, but Jude is speaking and he writes of this man by the name of Enoch. He gives us a little bit, a short glimpse into who Enoch is and the time frame that he lived and that he prophesied saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Now, let me ask you this question. Has the Lord come yet with 10,000 of his saints? He has not. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. He came first to redeem mankind. He came, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life here upon this earth. He went to the cross, he shed his blood. His blood was the payment for our sin debt. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was placed there in the grave. And the Bible tells us that three days later, he rose again from the dead and he ascended back to heaven. But what he told his disciples and what he tells us in his word is that he is coming again. And so what Enoch is prophesying is not the first time the Lord came to be the uh, the payment of our sin. He's prophesying of what? The second time the Lord comes. And he gives us something to understand and something to study because this time when the Lord comes, he comes with 10,000s of his saints. It's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, since the early church, Christians have been looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I would say this as well, since beginning of time, Enoch, just seven, seven generations from Adam has been looking and prophesying of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know in the dome of the capital of the United States, you'll find this inscribed, these words, one God, one law, one element, and one divine far off event toward which all creation moves. That's written in the the dome of our capital in Washington, D.C. Our founding fathers believed that there was going to be an event, a far off event toward which all creation moves. What is that event? We know that event is the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's going to change everything. And I believe this church, I'm gonna show you this today. I believe that this generation may very well be the last generation before Jesus Christ comes again. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Paul thought the same thing. In every every generation since Jesus ascended, every New Testament church generation has has looked forward to and longed for this day. Matter of fact, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica because he told them of the second coming of Jesus. And so they were just like, all right, well, let's wait. Let's quit our jobs, sit on a mountaintop and just wait till Jesus comes. We've all anticipated it, but I really truly believe this because of what the Bible tells us that we may very well be living in the last generation before Jesus Christ comes. 
In Matthew chapter 24, verse number eight, and we studied this last week, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. All of what? And again, I'm not gonna go back and preach last week's message. You can find that um, on our app. You can find that on our YouTube page. I believe it's on Facebook as well. But I would encourage you that these messages are gonna build upon each other. If by chance you miss a week, go back and listen to it. Because you're gonna find that all these are the beginning of sorrows. All what? all the events that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24, verse number eight. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the Bible says, and then shall the end come. We know this, the end is going to come. It's going to come. That's not a, that's not a fantasy, it's not a fairy tale, it's not wishful thinking. Jesus Christ himself said, when these things happen, then then shall the end come. And when there is a what? A convergence, a, a, a concentration, a multiplication. Now you say, well, there's always been wars and there's always been rumors of wars and, and there's always been earthquakes and there's always been these things. But when there's a concentration of these events, then the end is near. And I believe that you would find this the events that we are looking at last week and, and that Jesus said are going to happen today in this generation, you can say with surety, there is a multiplication or there is a concentration of these events happening all around this world. And one of the things and we'll look at here today is violence. Violence. We are living in a very violent, violent day. Violence. There is bloodshed. And one of the things in the Old Testament that, 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 that got God's attention, that, 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 that caused God to grieve is when blood, innocent blood was spilt upon the earth. And it's being done at an unbelievable rate in this nation and across this world. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 3, Go, go there with me. I want, us, I want us to look at scripture. I want you to see it. And I want you to write these things down. I want you to understand. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by your gathering together unto him. This is what he says. I beseech you, the Lord's coming again, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Jesus said the same thing. Don't let this trouble you. These events that are going to happen are not, they're, they're not gonna happen so that the Christian lives in fear. The Christian lives in anticipation. The Christian lives in excitement. The Christian lives anticipating that one day our faith becomes sight. One day, everything that we believe is going to be true. And he says, don't be shaken. Don't live confused. Don't live concerned. Don't live troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Aren't you grateful for that? Let no man deceive you by any means. And look what he says, for that day shall not come. And he gives us a few things. And over the next several weeks, we'll, we'll look at verse number three, even in depth. But the first thing that he says, for that day shall not come. First thing is this, except there come a falling away first. 
Apostasy. Apostate. What apostate is one that received the truth, then rejected the truth, and then ridicules the truth, and then tries to replace the truth with something other than the gospel. We're living in that day. We're living there. And Jude, Jude says this, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied or foretold of these, saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000s of his saints. I want us to look first of all this morning, would you write this down? Because I want this foundation to be sure, the surety of his coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. And it's not just because you have heard preaching or not just because you've read a book about the second coming of Jesus Christ, but because the Bible says he's coming again. That's why we believe it. And I want us to understand that. How then can we look into Daniel and Revelation and believe all the things that it says if we don't for sure understand the foundation where it all begins? He's coming again. Enoch prophesied of the second coming. Adam, this is interesting. The Bible tells us Enoch, the seventh from Adam. Now, if you were to study your Bible, you would find this, that Adam was about 622 years old when Enoch was born. Adam knew Enoch. Enoch knew Adam. Matter of fact, after Enoch was born, Adam lived another 308 years or so. I mean, Adam then, 622, he was a young man when Enoch was born. He spent another third of his life after Enoch was born. Adam lived into the 900s, and, and it's a wonderful picture of the rapture. Enoch is a wonderful picture of the rapture. You say, why is that? Because he was the first to prophesy the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude says that. He prophesied. No other time you would find before Enoch where they prophesied, where a man prophesied of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you find it with Enoch. And I'm going somewhere, so follow along with me. We find that Enoch said, Jesus is coming again. The Lord is coming again. He was the first to prophesy the second coming, and Enoch was the first to be raptured out of this world. Don't miss this. The Bible says of Enoch in Genesis 5.22 that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Isn't it so ironic that the very first man that we read of that prophesied that the Lord Jesus is coming again is also the very first man that is taken up out of this world. Enoch is a picture of the second coming. He's a picture of the rapture of the church as well. The Bible says he was not, meaning this, Enoch never died. He was taken out of this earth. Enoch was the seventh generation. Now, I, in research, I've been studying much, and I told our staff uh, this past week in our staff meeting, I said, now, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to handle a lot of the things because what I'm studying is taking a lot of time. I mean, a lot of time. And I was studying this one, this one uh, 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 Bible commentator, and he was saying this, that, that, that here in Jude, you find the seventh generation, the seventh generation is Enoch, and he was taken out of this earth. 
He was the seventh generation. He was raptured or taken. He prophesies first of the second coming of Jesus. And his life is a picture of Jesus is coming again and he was taken away. Seventh generation. And there believes, many believe this, that that is also an example. That is also a picture of the earth about the 7,000th year of creation seventh generation, the 7,000th year of creation, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. As I began to study, I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. The Bible does make sense. The Bible is, it's so interesting that God, all the events of time is not just simply God saying, I'm not sure when this is going to take place, but everything is so planned out by God. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians with me, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter number five, if you'll go there with me. So we see Enoch, we see Enoch, the seventh from Adam, is raptured. Many believe this, that 7,000 year, that represents the 7,000th year of creation. We're there now where we will be raptured out. Those that know Jesus Christ will be taken like Enoch was taken. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number four, in verse number 15, the Bible says this, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Jesus Christ is coming again. He is going to rapture his church. Those that are dead first are going to rise, Paul tells this church. And then those that are alive and remain shall be caught up or shall be taken up. Uh, uh, shall be, uh, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In verse number 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be forever with the Lord. Jesus is going to take his bride. Enoch is a picture of that taken. He walked with God and he was not, or he walked with God and he did not die. Enoch is a picture of that. Paul looks at that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. How do we know the rapture of the church? Because Paul tells us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. An event is going to take place. A trump is going to sound. God is going to say to Jesus, go get your bride. And that trump is going to sound. And we're going to be with Jesus in the air. Go with me to Luke, if you would please. Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Are you with me? Do you mind turning in your Bible? Good. I like to hear those pages rustle a little bit or those iPads swipe, whichever one you have. Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17, verse number 34. Jesus said this, speaking of him coming again. He says this, I tell you, in the night, there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men, two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, 
Whosoever the body is, wheresoever the body is, hither will the eagles be gathered together. He says of this, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be some that are sleeping and one is going to be taken and one is going to be left. There's going to be one working and the other were taken. And someone says this, well, I don't understand. Why one working? Why one? And I believe this. I really truly believe this, that Jesus was prophesying and saying because the world was going to be populated at this time. Do you realize this? When I traveled across the world, the other side of the world, I was in India. And one of the things I had to be careful of is when I was in India, I would call back home and somebody was sleeping. And we were just starting our day. And we were going to work and we were doing the things that we were supposed to be doing there in India. And my wife was sleeping. Shame on her. Yes. I go away and she gets lazy, you know. No, the reason why is no matter where you are in this earth, it's night and it's day. And Jesus says there's going to be some that are sleeping and one's going to be caught up and the other one's going to be there. There's some that are going to be working. One's going to be caught up and the other one's going to stay. He's speaking of when he comes on some of the earth, it's going to be dark and some of the earth, it's going to be light. But mark it down. He is coming. He's coming. And so Jesus prophesies of this. Paul prophesies of this. Look with me in the book of Matthew, just a few more pages over in the gospel of Matthew, back to chapter number 24. We didn't study this last week. We didn't get this far, but I want you to see this in Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 37. Matthew 24, verse number 37. Let me start with verse number 36. But of that day and hour, no man knoweth. Now, would you please mark that down? If you bought the book, Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, shame on you. If you hear a man tell you that, that Jesus is coming back on this day, this month, and this time, he's a false prophet, period. We, we have too many people that are trying to tell you what they think the Bible says. Let's just look at what the Bible says. No man knows the day or the hour. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. The only one that knows when Jesus is coming again is God. And it's going to be a time that's going to come. Paul tells us he, the trump is going to sound. He's going to say, go get your bride. And that's when Jesus is going to know. And that's when we're going to be raptured out. But only God knows that time. But as the days of but as the days of Noah. Now, although we don't know the specific time or day, Jesus here in this chapter we saw last week and we see again this week, he gives us what's happening, what's going to be surrounding these days. So when I say to you, I believe that in just this generation, we can see the return of Christ. We can scripturally and accurately say that because we're pointing to why we believe that. If we get any closer than this generation, be careful. Be careful of that. All right? So, but this, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, there was eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day of Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, we're gonna look in just a few moments, we're gonna look back in Genesis and find out what was happening in the days of Noah. 
But I want you to understand this. This is when Enoch lived. Enoch was living in the days of Noah. Now, no, he didn't live up to the flood, but as the days of Noah, as man was continually wicked, as man was violent, as God was looking out and saying, it repents that I even made man, that days of Noah leading up to the flood, the, the generations that, that, that were living in sin, that were eating and drinking and marrying and just what, what he's describing is they're just living for themselves with no knowledge of God, no care about God, no reason, no understanding of their purpose, no understanding of creation, just simply living for themselves. And I would say to you this, we are living in that generation where God is not important. Man, listen to me, God did not create this earth so that man could eat and drink and marry and live for himself. He created man and all of creation so that man and all of creation gives glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that God, that man gives glory and honor to God, but man sinned. And when man sinned, his life became about him. It became about his purpose, his desires, his deal, his wanting. And I'm saying to you today, we are living in a generation where life is about what you want, how you want it. The word of God is of no use. God is of no use. Matter of fact, if you try to insert God or the word of God, you're the one that's wrong. And Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, Enoch was living in the days of Noah. And in those days, there was total anarchy. Go with me to Genesis chapter number six. Let's go to those days. Genesis, the very first, I told you we're going to be in a lot of scripture. Genesis chapter number six. And what, what, what did we find in the days of Noah? Verse number 11 of chapter six. The earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. Church, let me ask you this question. Take me to one place on earth right now today that's not filled with violence. That's not filled with corruption. That's not filled with evil. In verse number 12, and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. This is what Jesus said, I'm coming again, as in the days of Noah. What was going on in the days of Noah? Corruption and violence. Anarchy and violence. Violence is, is what we see, the mark of the end of the age. And we're living in times of great violence. And I did not take the time because I felt like if I went and took the time and just showed you clips, it would take up so much of a, of a Sunday morning. But you just simply look for yourself the events that are happening around this world and all you see is total violence, bloodshed, corruption. Find us a place on this earth that's not filled with corruption. Find us a place in this earth. How many of you remember you didn't lock your doors at night? How many of you remember those days? How many of you remember when you left your house, you didn't lock your doors? How many of you 
Don't do that now. Just let us know we want. Don't, don't tell us. The earth is filled with violence. <laughs> How many of you remember? I remember this, and I'm not that old. I'm only 25. I, I remember <laughs> when I was young. How many of you remember you got on your bike and you rode your bike as far as you could, as long as you could, till it got dark and you came home at dark, and mom and dad never cared. I don't let my daughter go to the, the post or, or mailbox across the street unless I watch her. You know it's true. All you find, I mean, you find one of, the, one of the worst things I did during COVID, when COVID first hit, I'm thinking to myself, the place is falling apart. We're not going to have a church. And, and so I'd stay up all till late hours in the morning. I watched 2020. I watched every sex offender, every murderer. I mean, everything. I watched, I was afraid. I didn't, the reason I didn't sleep, I was afraid. I'm like looking through the window or they come in, you know, and I didn't realize how much crime, how much violence. I just watched, I just watched, uh, uh, just recently I watched where a, a, 30, a 28 year old man and an 18 year old girl, boyfriend and girlfriend, 28 year old man, 18 year old girl, plotted to go and kidnap a girl from school. So they went and they found an eight year old girl and the 18 year old lured this eight year old girl from school as she was leaving school into her car because she had a puppy in her car. She wanted to show this little girl. They took this little girl and they took her in her car and they began to drive for an hour out in the country. They stopped at Home Depot, got trash bags, got a hammer. That 28-year-old man then proceeded to rape that young eight-year-old girl in his back of his car while the 18-year-old watched. And then when he was finished, the 18-year-old took that claw hammer and beat that girl to death. And they took her body and just simply threw it into the cornfield. You talk about violence. <laughs> You've got an eight-year-old girl, you don't let him out of your sight. We're living in this day of anarchy and it's a day of violence. And the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, we're living in the days of apostasy. Look with me in Genesis chapter six. Look with me in verse number five. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look at that again. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil, only evil continually. You know what it means? Everything they think about is evil. Listen to me, I love, I love the internet. I, I, matter of fact, for this series I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of research on the internet. But the, as much as I love the internet for all of it, it's good. I hate the internet for all of it's bad. Because if you, the internet is filled with man's mind, the sickness and the perverseness and the wickedness and everything that man could ever think of, you can find. Someone said this to me just recently. I don't understand. When we were kids, we didn't think this and do this. And I told him this. When I was a child, I didn't have the wickedness of the world at my fingertips. 
And oh, listen to me, parents, listen to me, please. This has nothing to do with this message. This has something to do with your parenting. If you allow your child with a device that can connect to the corners of this world and you leave them alone with that device in their room or in a place by themselves, they're gonna find wickedness. It's gonna get into their mind and you're gonna wonder what's happening to my sweet little child. It's wickedness and you're allowing it. Don't let your child explore everything on the internet. Because you're going to find things that you never dreamed that you can find. And they're trying to seduce young children. You know why? Because we live in a day of anarchy and violence. We live in a day of apostasy. Every imagination of the thought of his heart. Carefully crafted wickedness carefully crafted wickedness. Days of apathy, Genesis chapter one, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter six, verse number one, and it came to pass when man began to multiply in the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them the wives all which they choose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he always, for he also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Days of apathy. God wanted his spirit. When God created man, he created man to walk with God. Adam, when he, before the fall, he walked with God in the coolness of day through the garden. This is what God desired, that man got so wicked. Man got so apathetic. Man was filled with violence, wicked thoughts, playing those wicked thoughts out, dreaming of how wicked they can become, and then putting it in action. And God says, I can't strive with man. I, I simply say this to you. Number one, number one, I want you to see this, the surety of the Jesus is coming again. It's there, it's in the Bible, it's happening. And I believe that you can understand it's going to happen soon. I want you to go back with me, go back with me in the book of Jude. And I want you to see this, secondly, the severity, the severity of his coming. Chapter number uh, one, verse number 15, the Lord Jesus is coming again. We find that in verse 14. Verse number 15, the Bible says, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them all of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches with which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The severity of his coming. Yes, Jesus is coming, but please, please, please understand this. He's coming to execute judgment. Now, I believe this, church. Know my heart. I believe that church ought to be a place where God's grace is preached and God's mercy is preached because God is merciful and God is long-suffering and he is righteous. But you must understand God also is a God of judgment. And the message that many don't want to hear in church today is that God is, a, God is a God of judgment. And listen to me today. God is coming and judgment is going to come. For those that know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to be raptured out of this world. What a wonderful day that's going to be. We're going to be with Jesus forever. 
But the severity of his coming is those that don't go, those that are left, those that are uh, denying Christ, those that are wicked in their sin, ungodly deeds, there is going to be judgment upon this earth. Christ is coming to judge those that have denied him. Christ is coming to judge the wicked deeds of mankind. The first time that Jesus Christ came, he came to redeem. The second time he comes, he is coming to judge. And why hasn't he come yet? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now, this is what's interesting. As we, Jude uses the illustration of Enoch, and now stay with me here, this is interesting. If Jude is using the illustration of Enoch, Enoch was the seventh generation after Adam. In the days of Noah, Enoch lived in those days of Noah. Enoch was raptured out of the church. It's a picture of what's going to, or raptured out of the world. It's a picture of what God's going to do. And after he's raptured, judgment comes. Enoch had a son. How many of you know who Enoch's son's name is? A real cool, cool name. Methuselah. Anybody in here name their kid Methuselah? Methuselah is his son's name. Now, this isn't by coincidence. Now, hear me. He names his son Methuselah. Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall be sent. Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall be sent. Methuselah died the year the flood came. The flood was sent, judgment was sent the year that Methuselah died. The flood came this year. What is so ironic about that? Methuselah was the oldest man in the Bible. Why why did he live so long? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He represents the mercy of God. He represents the grace of God. He lived, here is Enoch, he walked with God, he was not, he was raptured out, he had a son, and his son meant that when he dies, it shall be sent. When he died, judgment came, but he was the man that lived the longest in all of the earth. Methuselah, Enoch is an example of the rapture of the church. Methuselah is the example of God's grace. Why doesn't God just get it over with? Why doesn't he just come? Because he wants mankind to repent and be saved. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, go there with me real quick. I know my time is done. How many of you just vote we stay another hour? I'm, yeah, I, yeah, right. You're like, no, my, my roast is going to burn. Yeah. You haven't made a roast since your mother made one. 2 Peter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is what? Long-suffering. To us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
but the day of the Lord will come. It will come. Peter says it's going to come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also uh, and, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. But until then, the Lord is calling mankind. He's wanting you to repent. One day, what Peter says is he says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He is long-suffering. He's coming. Don't take it for granted. Don't take God's grace for granted. One day, it's going to be too late. One day, judgment is going to come. One day, the trump is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and the church is going to be raptured and great sorrow is going to come. And this church is why we cannot be apathetic. This is why we cannot fall asleep. This is why we must remain and occupy till he comes. This is why we cannot get lazy. This is why we can't get comfortable. This is why we need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit each and every day of our life because judgment is sure to come. And mankind is going to be caught and it's going to be too late. Church, as I was studying for this, there was a time this week, I just sat and I wept. Because as I studied, I thought about all those on judgment day, they're going to be cast in the lake of fire for all of eternity and forever and ever 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 and ever. There's no hope. That's our neighbors, our coworkers. Unfortunately, it's going to be some of our family members. I have aunts and uncles and cousins that do not know Jesus Christ. And the thought of them bearing the wrath of God for all of eternity, it motivates me not to quit. Why throw out a 2020 vision? Wouldn't it be just be fine for us just to be comfortable? Mankind is going to be judged. We can't get comfortable, church. We can't take things for granted. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. It's sure. And secondly, judgment is sure. Thirdly, I want you to write this down and I'm done. The sanctity of his coming. The sanctity of his coming. Verse number 14 also tells us in the book of Jude, it tells us this as well. Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. A great multitude. That 10,000, why is it written that way? Because it's a great multitude that cannot be numbered. He comes for us at the rapture. At the revelation, he comes with us. He comes for us. As Paul says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those that are alive remain. That's the rapture of the church. He comes for us at the rapture. The revelation, he comes with us in the revelation. Revelation 19, Revelation 19. Let me just read that for sake of time, but you mark that in your notes. Revelation 19, 14 says this. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We're coming with Jesus. 
Zechariah said this, Behold, the Lord thy God shall come and all the saints with him. Zechariah prophesied of the second coming of Jesus. Paul said this in Colossians, When he shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. All through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, it's prophesied, it's foretold that when Jesus comes the second time, he's coming with us. We're coming back with Jesus. He comes for us at the rapture. And just like Enoch did, we're going to be taken up. And then our Lord will come to judge the apostate, as Jude says. He's coming with the 10,000 saints to execute judgment upon all. He's coming to judge the apostate and he's coming again. We're gonna get, I'm gonna get ahead of myself here, but he's coming again to rule and reign here upon this earth for a thousand years. God's kingdom is going to come. Oh, but from today till that day, and we're gonna study through the events that'll happen up until that day. But oh, listen to me, Christian, Jesus is coming again. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior, you are not guaranteed another moment. You are not guaranteed another hour. Today, you need to confess your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. The gospel means the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. He came and he paid your sin debt. It is time for you to repent and call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, would you trust him today? Church, if you are here today and you know Jesus Christ as your savior, will you commit to serving him till that trump sounds. Let's not get apathetic. Let's not fall asleep. Jesus is coming. Judgment is going to take place. And then those that know him, we're coming back with him to rule in the reign. How many of you are eagerly anticipating the next several weeks of this series? I know I am but we're not guaranteed next Sunday. So what do we take away from this? Let's work till Jesus comes. We've got a job to do. Let's live for Christ. If there's sin in your heart, confess it. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for this world and live for the reason why God created you, to bring glory and honor to his name. Let's all stand together this morning. Jeff, I'm gonna ask you to come and would you pray for us this morning, would you? Let me grab a microphone here. Before he comes comes to pray, would you bow with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to make sure that you are given an opportunity. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to know Christ today. I want you to be a part of him receiving us, not a part of his judgment. I wonder if there's one here today that you you don't know Christ today, but you say, today I want to know Christ as my Savior. Today I want to be saved. Today, I want to be born again. 
I wonder if there's one like that today. Would you just slip your hand up? I won't embarrass you, I promise. I want to get this settled. This is important. This is the most important decision you'll ever make. And I pray that I prove that today. Is there one today that you would say, I need to trust Christ as my Savior. I need to be saved today. Is there one? Is there one at all? Church, how many of you today need to say this? I need to fight apathy. I need to fight worldliness. I need to fight the lust of my flesh. I need to fight my pride. And I want to live for Jesus Christ this week. And I want to be filled with his spirit. And I want to sense his presence. And I want to follow his leading. And I want to be alive and occupying and working when that trumpet sounds. How many of you would say that describes my life? That describes me today. I want to be alive, working, excited, anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand? I want you to keep your hands up. I want you to keep your hands up. Jeff, I want you to close us in prayer. God sees your hands. And I want you to lift your hands, your heart, your voices to the Lord this morning. And let's together pray and ask the Lord to complete this in our heart. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you so much for your son. And we know that through your word, he's coming. Lord, I pray that you would put the burden upon our hearts to uh, continue to look for that coming. And Lord, to be ready, not be ashamed before him at his appearing. Lord, give us the boldness to go forth and and share the word with those who are lost. Lord, put a just a burden on our hearts for those who who don't know you as Jesus Christ. Lord, you see all these hands. Lord, uh, strengthen us and uh, give us the courage to go forth and live for you. And may we be uh, constantly shining the light of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where all the 